So welcome to the, what are we on now, sixth, fifth, sixth, sixth episode of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And I'm in Hermosa Beach. And I'm in Cape Junction, Oregon. Uh, so what's up? Oh, well, um, just a few changes, um, I guess. I guess it, uh, our tech, our podcast is going to be, you know, half tech and, and half maybe view of tech from the outside. But um, over the last couple of weeks, we've made a few changes, um, um, uh, a, a, a mutual uh, person in our lives um, needs some help. So uh, we kind of hit the road and took, took off up to uh, Yosemite out of L.A., um, going through Malibu, going through Kern County, up into the hills, and uh, found ourselves um, sitting on a mountain in uh, Nevada, digging for crystals and gems for, for most of the last week. And then uh, this week we've parted ways, and I'm in Oregon. Uh, just did the Big Tree Loop Trail up by the Oregon Caves National Monument. Um, I'm looking at heading up to Babyfoot Lake today. And uh, just spending some time out in the woods trying to, uh, um, you know, help uh, get some bearings, I guess. You want to you wanna elaborate more on that? Well, I mean, I think that uh, it's, it's interesting, I think, for me, you know, having spent um, a week with you up um, outside of um, in Yosemite and in Nevada, although I guess when we went hiking, we were actually back in California, um, but you know, thinking about what is it, what it, what really is the role that we want technology to play in our lives, and it's something that you and I talk about all the time, and I feel it definitely informs both of our work as technologists. But sort of stepping away and looking at looking at technology with through different lenses, um, certainly, I think is right now helping us sort of refocus what exactly we want to be doing um, and. Sort of how how we want to be how we want to be doing it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a uh, even though I am using technology, I have um, purchased a, a pretty nice uh, Phantom Three professional drone with a, a HD camera on it, and I have a GoPro, and I'm definitely spending time taking videos and photos of these these beautiful places i'm spending a lot of time away from technology um i'm not on my computer all day i'm hiking on the trails but then i'm you know coming back and and usually without internet connection uh just trying to organize my photos and videos and my thoughts and so um you know still work in progress but uh it's given me a new perspective on on technology. That's for sure. I think that's one of the funny things about you know. Oftentimes, I think that folks who are really whose lives really um, are wrapped up in technology, right? So those who work in the tech sector or um, perhaps like very closely adjacent to technology, um, we find a lot of appeal in these things like real time, right? Like the real time web, like constant notifications, being connected 24-7. And there's a sense, I think, in the stories that we tell that this is somehow inevitable and almost natural and ne and sort of necessarily a, a positive thing. But I think it's, a, it's really important to recognize that most people on the planet, most people even within the U.S., don't live that kind of thing, that kind of existence in which 
um, paying attention to the real-time stream, constantly um, checking their notifications is 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 doable. And so it's it's not it's not even sort of it's not inevitable. It's not um, it's not necessary. So I think it's really interesting for us to think about what does it look like, uh, what does it look like to take another step back away from these tools and then figure out what is what is it that we want to be doing with again what is it that we want technology to be doing in our lives in our work and i i would add to that just just two weeks in now um so i guess we're about two weeks in almost um i would add that it's it's not natural too i mean i'm not one of those people to be like you know oh you got to get off the internet and you got to get out to nature and all of that um this was kind of you know forced upon me just because of circumstances in our world. I didn't like say, hey, I need to get away from the computer. I was perfectly happy doing what I'm doing on the internet um, as API evangelist, full time, real time, all of that. And but um, because I, I needed to get off um, now getting on actually is really hard for me, really, you know, to make myself sit and stare at a Twitter stream, um, to sit and stare at an RSS uh, feed reader. I find it to be very, very difficult, and maybe I'm only a couple weeks into it. Maybe that that'll evolve or change. But that's that's how I stand right now. I would say it's, you know, even though I, I mean I'm, I'm very good at paying attention to that real time world. I'm, I, you you know very well that you and I can go down into that zone and we'll be there for days and days, weeks on end, and and perfectly happy there. But um, it's 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 somewhat pained and, and difficult to force on myself right now in this in this state. So it just makes me question whether how natural um, we, we feel or think it is um, as this has a hold of us. I mean, I you know I would say that all of these things are sort of culturally uh, sort of culturally constructed. I mean, it's hard to sort of figure out what is natural when we talk about human behavior since we're sort of social cultural beings. That being said, it's interesting to you know I. You and I parted ways, what, uh, Friday, um, and I've been sort of still doing, still doing, you know, still doing my work, still much more online than, than you have been. But it's interesting, you know, sort of thinking, what is it that I'm going to tell you that's happened, right? So what have you missed out in, on by not being on Twitter? What have you missed out on by not reading blogs? What have you missed out on by not, you know, listening to the news? And, like, the fact of the matter is, is not much, really, um, it's a, I mean, it, it is sort of akin, I think that the tech sector has sort of modeled in some, some ways sort of the worst parts of CNN, right? So, I mean, I can understand on one hand the need to have a 24-hour news channel, right? Stuff happens all over the world all the time. But once you've decided that you're going to commit to sort of real-time news in that way, you actually spend a lot of time filling the air with bullshit, with bullshit, speculation, and just sort of empty blather. And I think that what we see online is just a lot of that as well. There's a lot of stuff that isn't particularly meaningful. Um, this past week that, you know, has been, I've seen a lot of sort of particularly, it's not new, but particularly sort of nasty behavior, personal, you know, sort of like the ongoing personal attacks um, among various people for political reasons, for professional reasons. And it's just, um, I think you're right. As you step away from it, it gets harder and harder to step back into sort of a realm of shit. Like when you have other options, CNN is sort of like the least interesting thing to put on television um, because it's always sort of 
the same speculative crap. Well, and and I feel like it. They they've groomed us to a certain degree, or we've groomed ourselves in preparation for this. Because that's part of the difficult for me coming back is, you know, I thought I could just step away and do this, just kind of you know half and half half in the woods and half online, and and that proved to be um, you know just difficult just because of logistics and internet availability and stuff like that. But also just the the few moments where I do have. Uh, internet um, in in a hotel or in in the quick little coffee shop um, you know what I do I have to prioritize and and, and think through and and be more uh, thoughtful about how I'm using the bits and bytes and honestly like I mean I don't know maybe I've missed some important things I'm sure there's there's aspects of the Oracle versus Google case we talked about last week that were top of mind that I, I should be tuning into but um, honestly, um, I'm kind of dependent on you to tell me if I've missed something <laughs> API or general tech related because I ain't going to be able to surface it or uncover it because I open up Twitter and it makes my head hurt or TweetDeck and it makes my head hurt, um, let alone it doesn't bring in most of the stuff because my internet is so bad out here in these areas. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I promise. I promise. I'll keep you informed. A couple of thoughts in response to that. One is, I think that that's. I mean, that that the sort of realities of internet in rural place, rural places in this country, is like that's actually a real thing. And I think many of us who live in cities and we have high speed, high speed internet at home, and we're accustomed to being close to cell towers so that our data connections are always sort of as fast as possible. Um, we t often don't notice sort of that the our lifestyle is moving towards a very bandwidth heavy, uh, both creation, but mostly consumption of, 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 of data. Um, and when you're sort of away from that, it's really stark how much we, um, how much bandwidth um, we can very easily use for downloading and for uploading um, uh, stuff. So the, you know, connection, internet connection in rural America is definitely, I mean, and I'm, I, I'm not just talking about sort of, you know, out in the middle of Yosemite, right? Um, but I'm, or out in the middle of the woods. But I'm talking about just like in general, rural America really does not have access to good internet. And that's, you know, that's an important, that's an important issue, I think, for us to address. Um, but the piece about Oracle is really interesting because, you know, last week we talked about Sarah Jung's sort of tireless live tweeting of this really important case around APIs. And, um, I haven't really kept you up to date, but sort of this week, some of the bad behavior I was alluding to um, online involved um, Sarah, again, sort of this ongoing harassment that happens to um, women, particularly women of color on the internet that sort of makes it really untenable for, um, for us to sort of continue to participate in what is a really toxic toxic culture. And we have to, I mean, Sarah's a journalist. She has to work on the internet. I'm a writer. I have to work on the internet. And it's, it's really, it's really difficult. And I think that there are many ways in which it's all connected to sort of Trump, um, the, the behavior, behavior of Trump, the behavior of um, Trump supporters, the behavior of Bernie Sanders, the behavior of Bernie Sanders supporters, the culture of the internet, 
real-time demands, um, sort of general nastiness and divisiveness um, that I think that the internet doesn't seem to be the sort of utopian space. It, when you step away from it and look back at it, it's, it's pretty toxic. Well, I feel like the, all of those are just, I mean, watching the, watching the, the Oracle versus Google, I mean, which is for me really, I mean, the precedent set APIs are copyrighted, um, copyrightable. And, 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 and what I watched unfold last year around swagger and, and how, you know, IP and, and big business can swoop in, you know, big business being Oracle and saying that numbering and ordering of that is, is, is ours and you can't use it. And, um, and then with swagger, it's like how you, how you describe, you know, everything from your, your banking to your, your payment, to your, uh, real estate, to your drone, everything is potentially copyrightable now. And then we look at that in terms of uh, the internet connection speeds and, and how you know Verizon's and AT&T's and all these people who are 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 gobbling up um, the 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 smaller internet providers. I mean the the small ISP of the 90s is non-existent anymore, and that's for good reason, so that that they can can uh, control the pipes and 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 sell you data packages, which I was. You know, really aware of this week because I had to go oh, back. Yeah, to, you to went back to a phone, phone right? I didn't. I haven't had a cell phone for a little while because I was staying put. But now that I'm on the road, I, I. Um, so when I gave up my AT and T, I gave up my my grandfathered in data package, and so I went to Verizon because because fuck AT and T, and um and I had to buy. You know, I bought their biggest data package, which you know when I look at, it, I'm like, that's nothing. You know, that's like nothing. But this is what we're. You know, we're. We're, we're slowing, in, you know, we're talking innovation, we're talking massive change and revolution, but really we're just uh, locking it up and selling it back to people incrementally um, only, when we, only when they have to. And I feel like that's, you know, the, the, the AT&Ts, the Time Warners, these, these old school big businesses, that's, um, you know, they're, they're, they're very much old school, you know, not old school, but conservative, I think, you know, business leadership people who 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 have these and i would say that new guard may be the bernie you know so that old guard might be you know trump supporters and people who just really buy into capitalism that new guard um being uh tech um uh, silicon valley and 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 the whole libertarian thing i would say you know is more akin to kind of the 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 bernie supporters so between the trump and the bernie you know there's that venn diagram of hey yay capitalism hey yay survival of the fittest and and it's you know every you know the whole the whole bullshit american dream just so we can like take advantage of you and sell shit back to you um that's what's hap that's what i feel like is happening not just from apis not from ne a net neutrality and network but it's it's that software layer, it's that network layer. Um, you know, we can't have anything nice because the 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 business back end, whether it's libertarian or old school conservative, are gonna make they have all the money and power, and they're gonna get their fucking way. And then that front end is that really blind, you know, classic old conservative, you know, just poor white people defending rich people because they hope someday they'll be there and then this new guard of bernie bros and gamergate bros who defend the silicon valley machine because they hope to be there someday and so you have you know business big business locking things up this new tech business locking things up and then you have this front line of these really awful people just making it fucking untenable on the front end 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that that's your that that's what you'd say about the Bernie Bro piece because of course Bernie is probably the closest to, or you know, he called, describes himself as what a social democrat, so not quite a socialist, but as close as probably you could have in American politics today. Since for some reason, well, for many reasons, Americans tend to see socialism as as a dirty word, um, as a sort of akin to communism and therefore a violation of all of Reagan's precious memory. But you're right. I mean, despite, I think that that's what's sort of interesting about the, the, the Bernie Sanders, I mean, the sort of, in some ways it's become like a stereotype of the sort of the Bernie bro Sanders supporters are sort of, um, despite supporting a candidate that's sort of really wants to reinvigorate, um, the responsibility or, of the government um, towards, you know, free college, perhaps nationalizing healthcare. That really, there's sort of there is the sort of radical rejection of a collectivity among a lot of folks that seems to sort of, at some point, sort of um, meet up again with what you identified as some of the the stuff, um, sort of radical individualism around. Uh, the, the Trump supporters. So it's it's really, a, I mean, it's sort of really a, a gross um, thing to have to navigate um, to think about sort of what is it, you know, I mean, it's something that you and I talk about a lot, sort of what is, again, connected to technology, what is this future that we're building and sort of what sort of faith do we have in the change-making processes that we, you know, that we have right now? Yeah, the, I mean, I specifically said the Bernie Bros because I, I'm confused by. I totally support and believe in a lot of what what Bernie um, speaks, but you know, as you and I know very well, that the the dangers of the affinity circles that that your beliefs, um, you know, can share with some other groups. I just think he just happens to reinvigorate or or overlap with the with the you know the kind of Peter Thiel, Mark Andreessen startup believers. Um, there's a certain aspect, but I think if they actually dug into a lot of what he, Bernie believed in, I don't think they would truly um, be in sync. But I think on the surface, it provides a, a pretty, pretty rich environment for them to to attack and do things and go out there. So. Yeah, of course, Peter Thiel is a, officially, I believe, a Donald Trump um, supporter oh, okay. will be representing Donald Trump at the Republican National Convention. So, but I mean, I think you're right. Like, it's it's actually sort of not clear. It's sort of not clear the way in which some of these economic policies overlap with the social policies, overlap with sort of just like dickhead behavior that seems to be pretty pervasive. I mean, and that's, again, like that's some of what I was alluding to with sort of bad behavior on the Internet, which isn't – it's not even a story worth – um, sort of relating to you, like you wouldn't be surprised if I told you that sort of like this Bernie um, supporter, lefty white guy was an asshole to a bunch of women of color online. Like not surprising, not surprising. And yet somehow this week it blew up with people being, I don't know, same thing, same thing. You haven't missed anything. Well, we're, it, we're having I mean, the same fights we've had into it since 2000, whatever. Isn't this the, I mean, this is what I feel like is the dangerous part of this election is like if the Bernie Bernie following, you know, there's a certain contingent of the Bernie following, if they don't get their way, they're not going to vote for Hillary. They're going to switch to Trump, some of them. 
and which it just fucking confounds me, but um, I think it represents that well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, I really just don't even want to, like, I mean, the, the reality is, like, the thought of, like, putting this podcast on the internet, having offered any sort of criticism of Bernie Sanders is, like, frightening because, like, the way in which some people respond to this stuff. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, let's move on to some other technical pieces. You had a couple... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I shared a couple of things with you that I thought were interesting, interesting reading and some of them, I mean, much of them have to do with, you know, one of these, one of the themes I see playing out right now, largely, there's been a lot of chatter about, um, that having sort of, I guess we've lived through a winter of AI that we are, according to Google, at least at a spring of AI. So there's just been a lot of stuff written about what chatbot, chatbots look like, the future of artificial intelligence. And because of that use of that word intelligence, a lot of comparisons between what happens in a computer and what happens in the human brain. Um, and of course, you know, that's an analogy. Um, it might be a model by which people are sort of building technology systems, but it's a uh, um, according to a piece that I shared with you, um, I'll put it in the show notes by Robert Epstein. You know, the the brain is not the same as a computer, and in some ways, it's a real flaw that we that we use these similar terms, that we talk about these sort of modeling in the same way. Because the brain isn't a computer; it functions. I mean, for how we understand its functioning, which is still so limited, it just doesn't function in the same way. Well, one of the things that's front and center for me right now is because I'm I'm kind of I'm even though I'm going down this path in support of of someone else right now it's um it it, it it's built upon and reflects um my uh my own path my own journey about 20 years ago and which had involved no technology 20 years ago I was not even though I was a software engineer back then um I went hiking and doing what I was doing looking to get to know myself and, and that's kind of what I'm reliving right now. And one of the things I realize about myself is how little I know about my own brain and my own way of thinking. I mean, even as confident as I am in who I am and what I do, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot I don't know about myself and my brain. And I, I feel like as a society and people that, that we, don't, we just don't know a lot about ourselves and, and, and the human brain. And I don't understand what this, this, this drive is to to prove that computers are better and faster than us and can, can do more than us. And, and, and we, we, we model so much of it after our brain, you know, the, the memory and, and all of this. And, and people just feel so, so driven to, to go towards that, even though none of the signs really show that, that we're even anywhere close to A, understanding the brain, or B, AI being anything brain-like. But people still believe. Yeah, it, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, in some ways, I just think it's sort of like the hum, human's grand ego, right, is that we've decided that we are, we are the most intelligent creatures on earth, that we, um, and that sort of, that's both a scientific claim and also a religious claim, right, that God, you know, um, sort of God fashioned us in his image, and um, in the Christian, sort of in the Judeo-Christian 
um, theology. So we are, but we are like this, we see ourselves as these really special creations, really unique, really powerful that it's sort of, we've been given the mandate again by science or religion, pick, pick your team, to sort of conquer the earth, to understand the earth, that this sort of all of this is ours to, um, to rule over. And I think that the creation of, of, uh, of the, the computer um, as the sort of, or the, the search for an artificial intelligence is, it sort of goes in that similar sort of, sort of wanting to have godlike capabilities on our own, wanting to have this sort of creating life capabilities, um, and that are, you know, not just, you know, creating life through birth, but creating life through scientific manipulation. And so I think that it's, you know, I think that the drive for AI is, is um, taps into a lot more than just sort of mid-20th century white male fantasies about the future, although it's very much, uh, very much white male 20th century North American white male 20th century fantasies about the future, about what intelligence means, about the history of intelligence that privileges certain kinds of men um, in, in this space. So yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole AI thing to me is interesting to watch culturally. It's interesting to watch in terms of the storytelling. You know, my favorite book is Frankenstein. And so to me it's sort of like, aha, we're, here we are again, right? Here we are again with this old, this old tale. Um, but yeah, thinking about it in terms of, sort of the practical, actual material effects on our, on our society, sort of much less interesting and often pretty frightening. Well, I've, I've talked, we've talked between us a couple times and mentioned, like, if, if AI can't actually, you know, AI has always been like five, ten years off. Everyone, you know, there's always some, some horizon <laughs> that we have to get over before it's there, and that's been there for the last 50 years or so. And so I feel yeah. like what's going on now a lot of it is, is if we can't truly... Um, get AI to the point where, where we want it, I think the dumbing down of people and, and, and expectations, I mean, I feel like this is um, part of the parlor trick and road show that, that, that we've seen called IBM Watson, um, where, you know, you make huge promises and, and grand things, and then you do little parlor tricks to, 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 to bring it home for folks. And I feel like, um, you know, pop culture, I feel like, you know, commercialism, all these things, you know, it's an it's a, it's a extension of the whole TV culture, TV community um, is going to help contribute to that. But, um, you know, I'm just forming my thoughts on this and, and speaking of books, you know, one of the books I'm going to add to my reading list again uh, and reread over the next couple of weeks is A Brave New World. Because honestly, I, I, where I, my vantage point right now, I feel like um, f the pharmaceutical industry has a role or is playing a role in this kind of dumbification um, pacification, kind of slowing down of, of, of the, the potential that is human um, and locking it up and making it so that it's much more malleable and, and controllable in this, in this grand um, exper technological experiment. But um, st just early thoughts there. So that's, a, that's, actually, that's actually super interesting, of course. Um, the, you know, thinking about, again, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is... Um, very much in the business uh, of, 
you know, dealing with, I mean, we don't always think of it as in the mind. We think of it as um, other things. But I think what you're talking about is, is certainly um, pain, you know, pain medication, I think, most, most prominently in our culture right now, the antidepressants, all sorts of things that do ostensibly have to do with sort of regulating the mind, regulating the brain, regulating the way in which our nervous system um, functions. Um, yeah, I, I should reread um, some, some Aldous Huxley as well. I actually think that probably Brave New World is much more relevant than, although George Orwell often gets cited in 1984, gets t- sort of thrown out as being sort of like the, 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 the imagined future that now we're living in that present. And I actually think that probably Brave New World is somewhat closer to, somewhat closer to what we seem to be experiencing right now. And not just because of the soma piece, right? Not just because of the deadening, the deadening effect of, of that pharmaceutical, but also just sort of like the technology, the, the, the stratification and technolo- technologification of that stratification. Yeah, well, I hope to keep exploring these thoughts as as I have removed myself from tech, the world of uh, you know being immersed in the world of technology and kind of analyzing it from the outside in and and uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Well, um, I guess we'll we'll uh, leave it there, but um, yeah, I miss you, and I guess I'll see you in about a week and a half when I get back from my taking advantage of the big technology that will fly me in a metal tube to Ireland next week. All righty. And, yeah, I will be posting videos and and photos and stories as I can, but um, uh, still depending on you to get those on the the great Internet because I ain't got much much connectivity here. So, (laughs) Hooray, technology. Hooray.